Hello and welcome to a new episode of Running With Red S. Today, it's a bit different to normal. Uh, I'm going to be sort of interviewing myself. I luckily have Kieran Walker here who's going to ask me a set of questions. And I, I just feel like I haven't really explained how I struggled with Red S in the first part. How it's really impacted my life. How the injuries has been. So I just want to give you guys an in-depth analysis really of what's going on. Because... It's amazing to have all these incredible athletes on and everything, but I just want to get my point across just to clear out how it's been, how tough it's been for me, um, how training's going in the minute, what a day in the life basically looks like, how I'm trying to recover. And it's going to be quite interesting because I'm even going to talk about things I probably haven't said to many people, only my psychologists. So it's going to be quite an interesting interview. So Please listen along. We have a lot of questions. It could be a long one. It could be a short one. I don't know, but it'll be good fun. So, yes. So, just listen along. Okay, my turn. I'll ask you a few things in Drake. So, like, going back to the start, um, what were the key warning signs for you as you were slipping into this condition? Uh, like, speaking to people now, I really think about it. I think it was, it was my attitude towards people, my mental attitude towards people. So, not necessarily physical. No, not even physical. So, I knew, I knew, like... When you look at the physical attributes, like, I knew some days, like, for example, in Uganda, I was so light, like, disgustingly light. Like, I think I lost five kilos in the space of three, four weeks being there. Yeah. And, yes, some people may be able to do that if they're, say, if they're, like, really, they're really overweight, they're trying to lose weight. But I wasn't supposed to be losing weight. I was already quite very light. But I think because I brought scales out there and stuff, I just wanted to be lighter every single day. Yeah. And... I shouldn't have brought them out there, but that really messed up my mental head. And when I went to Lanzarote, so for um, a bit of a holiday, my girlfriend, my parents, it was, I, I mentioned to you today, I just felt like I ruined the holiday. So I didn't, I wasn't there for them. I, I almost felt like I was there for myself. So in that week, I did 23 hours of training in total, no running, just cycling and stuff. And I didn't enjoy anything else. I literally just sat there trained eat a little bit of food and then train again and then because I was starving I my body was in hunger mode I didn't do anything else I was horrible to them whenever they wanted to go out I said no I would be fussy when I went out for food mm-hmm. and it's a shame because like we've spoken about this it's like you look back at things and you want to say like you're, you've had such a great time there and because I kind of messed it up almost I feel like because because like I said how hungry I was I just mm-hmm wasn't myself yeah. and that made me quite horrible to people like I didn't really I would say no to a lot of social occasions like going out to meet people because I just kept thinking about okay well how am I gonna train the next day and is that, is that an addiction to training as well as oh sort of, yeah, 100% it's, like I I would never I have yeah, like has I couldn't changed? <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't really changed but like yeah. I'm much more willing to train, a di- say, for example, train at different times. So yeah. I remember when I had my foot stress fracture, I'd wake up every morning at 7 a.m., no need. I didn't do anything else that day. So I could bang out two, three hours in the morning on the gym. Like, And if I didn't get to the gym before 8, I felt like almost useless if I got there at 8.15. Right. Whereas now I can go home, tra- go train at any sort of time. Like ideally it's still in the morning, evening, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't really matter what times yeah. because I'm now more comp- like it doesn't matter what time you train because now I've got my food sus I know I'm eating before training I know I'm eating straight after training 
I'm now going to the gym not hungry. Yeah. Whereas before, because I always wanted to get there early because I basically had no food myself. And at lunchtime, because my body knew it would have something in it. Um, so, yeah, but it just it just messed my whole head up. And another thing I would say is when my friends noticed, like, you know, when you're with someone for a long time, you don't really notice that they're losing weight because you see them every day. Whereas my friends noticed me losing weight and they said, look, Jake, you really, really need to change this. Like, was that quite early on in, in the condition or was that sort of like a year uh, they, me- they mentioned it when we were like living the house first for um, after a while. But then I think, I think I think I started to up my food a little bit. And then because like COVID hit and everything, no one saw anyone really. Yeah. So it was like a place that you're like away from everyone and my parents. And again, the same sort of thing. Like my parents saw that I was eating, but they can't see if I'm losing weight at a huge rate. And then when I went back, then I think people started to notice. Yeah. And you look back at some of the photos, like I went to, this was when I went to World Half Marathon and did British Champs 5K and so people... when you were running your best as well. Yeah, running so, yeah. my best. Yeah. Like I had nothing in me, I had no power or anything, but... That's when people like weren't messaging me, but I think there were people talking, like saying, like, "Oh, he looks, he looks a lot different." Yeah. And of course, like I kept it up for maybe a year, but every time I raced, I got an injury mm-hmm. because I had no strength, no, no power in me. My body couldn't recover. Like after a hard effort, I'd mm-hmm. get ill. So even though your performances were like the best ever, so PB and half, PB and five k, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But it was more like your recovery, you couldn't sustain it. No. So you have a race and then... No, every single race, after, every yeah. single race. It was, it was interesting because, because I kept like a diary of how much I weighed every day because I weighed most days. When I ran like the marathon and the 5k PB and then to that stupid 10 mile session, yes. <laughs> that was the best ever training block I've ever done. Yeah. And I was the heaviest I've ever been yeah. and actually didn't get injured or ill during yeah. that period. Yeah. And that just, I don't know why that didn't scream out to me. Mm-hmm. Be heavier, yeah. Because you're stronger and you run better that weight. Like, yes, world half. I was a bit lighter, but I got injured straight away. Yeah. I yeah. ran a marathon. I ran a five k PB. I did that ten mile session, and then one. I know I had a week off after Olympic um Olympic trials because I pulled out. Yeah. But then I ran five weeks later. Ran eight flat for three k, and I was at the same weight, like heavier weight. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't get injured. Ill. So it's it's weird how it works, but yeah, it's, it's getting there. Though. At which point did you feel like you're okay? We got a problem here. Like, in the last couple, in the last couple of years? Oh, it has... I think it was, like, seeing... It, it, it would... I say to people, like, I hit rock bottom when I was at, had the MRI scan back from the doctor about my sacrum stress fracture. Yeah, so more recently. Yeah, oh, that was, that was rock bottom, 100%, because I was in the middle of... In Wilmslow, Manchester, with get, being given two crutches again, with two bags to carry, yeah. knowing... I've literally just come back from a foot one and I'm going to have to spend another, because it's a bit longer, 10 weeks without running. Mm. And I just felt useless because I was like, what am I doing? Like, you just had a foot stress fracture. That was the time you were supposed to recover and you've just buggered it up. Mm. So that's when I took five weeks completely off every single thing because I needed to put my health first. Yeah, I can imagine that was difficult. Oh, <laughs> mate, it was horrible. <laughs> so like five weeks not able to sort of do any cross training, nothing... No, aerobically, like, like just just went for a couple of walks, but yeah. I remember the first week I would probably last about five minutes because I was in that much pain. Yeah, because where it was located, yeah. the sacrum is just you sit like when you have a foot stretch fracture, you can put your foot up, but yeah. 
sitting down, it's yeah. that's in the sacrum. Standing it. in the sacrum, you can always feel it. I felt that makes the injury feel worse when it's like, you can always feel it. So it's always in your head. Exactly. You so, you, it, yeah. yeah. So you never know. And yeah, so if I, it was the best thing I've ever done because I basically just focus completely on nutrition and people. People are so supportive and they can see like on Instagram and stuff when I post because yes, I see people. Every time I saw someone, they said, you look so much healthier. Mm-hmm. But people on Instagram could see from the photos and everything, I look stronger and everything. Mm-hmm. And that was quite nice to see. Yeah, and you've taken quite a cautious approach back to training. Yeah, like of course I've been running a bit too quick at times, but in but terms of the general, yeah. in terms of the general mileage, it's like, when it's been I think it's my ninth or tenth week back running, and I could hit maybe thirty eight miles. Yeah, and like considering I was on one hundred ten before one hundred twenty before injury, mm-hmm. to go up to thirty eight miles in ten weeks isn't is not bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did the first four or five weeks until I got my addition, second MRI to show that it actually really healed. I was still just run walking. Because yeah. I remember when I went to yours, mm-hmm. that was my first continuous yeah, yeah. run. And that was straight after the MRI. That was only three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And that was after the MRI. So it was like yeah. six weeks of run walk, five, yeah. six weeks. Yeah. And your times in training have been quite good recently. Yeah, they've been, <laughs> they've been getting better. So I still feel like at the stage I am, it's for not like, it's crazy what I'm doing. So it shows a cross training is helping. But it's still, because I had that five weeks off, I would have lost, of course, my body would have healed really well and be stronger, but just five weeks is a long time. So I still feel like my body still needs quite a lot of time to adjust to the running. Because mm-hmm. like, for example, we did I did 40 minute progression and yeah. it does feel a long time on the feet. Yeah. And I haven't, the longest run I've done is I think nine miles in total, but that was a warm up and then a session. Yeah. So, so at the moment, how many days are running? How many? How much? How many hours are like cross training in the week? So it's like so. So some of it's quite a big chunk. So it could be nine, ten hours of cross training, four hours of oh, running. Yeah. Um. But then it's like. So that's almost worth like a hundred mile week. Yeah, hours, yeah. But I guess because of the cross training. But again, yeah. I've built it up. Yeah. So I started with training what fifteen weeks ago or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just gradually built. Like the first week was two hours. Second week was four hours. Like it's building, building, but. The reason why I'm doing a lot of training now is because I'm in the gym four hours training, like Monday to Saturday, mm-hmm. but I'm just focusing on S&C. Yeah. And that's the reason, like I said to you, like it's sorted out. I haven't seen a physio or anything about my, because my soleus was very tight from running again. And I've just sorted that out just from doing the S&C. So the different drills. Yeah. And like um, went to the physio the other day and we did like this max test, this quad, um, hamstring quad max test. And he was absolutely, he's extremely happy with the results because I have basically doubled my strength in my hamstrings. Yeah, that's because quite, that's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, since I last saw him, he said, you really need to focus on it. And that's what I did. But now he said, because I was getting some aches in my like hip areas, um, I need to really, I don't use size my glutes. Hmm. So that's something I'm looking for, looking to do instead of just almost thinking, oh no, I'm injured. I need a massage or something. I can do the little things to fine tune them. I thought that was an interesting point that physio only talked about strength and activation, how they're not, they're not the same thing. And like, yeah. You can be strong, but also not activate. Yeah, exactly. Like, right and if you don't activate it, I think it's even yeah. more crucial. Yeah. So in, the, in your S&C programme, what does, what does some of the elements look like in a week? I mean, you, you you've taught, quite taught yeah. me, but it's like, so for example, on Monday we did like um, this Canova type exercise session. So it's like, we did, um, what did we do? But we, did, we focused more on glutes this week. We did some hip exercises. We did drills. But that's more of just like a circuit-based session. It's hard, 30 to 45 seconds each exercise. Tuesday, normally after 
I do enjoy this, but after like a session, we do some more strength based in the gym. So that could be um, like lunges, some. You're not, mo- on the, not on the squats yet. Not on the squats no. yet, just because my back, because I'm going to see a SNC guy in Loughborough in July who specialises in bone health just to ensure I'm doing everything right. Mm-hmm. So that can in- like introduce more calf work, hamstring work, a bit heavier weights. Um, just like you said, like hard is hard. Yeah. Wednesday's like a core and circuit session. So that was really good. The other day we did, it was... That's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> core, arms, and... Arms. Oh, exactly. And <laughs> drills. But drills are ha- helping me so much because they're loading the yeah. bone a bit more. And what point would you tell people to do drills in a week? Oh, I... I mean, most people do drills nearly every day, but sort of before... We do them before... What, in terms of after injury or just... Uh, just in general. And how much do you think the impact you come back? I, I think it's... That's the, probably the reason why I'm running quicker than I actually am because before I even started running, I introduced some walking drills and then I introduced some running drills and I do them, I reckon, four or five times a week. That's good. Yeah. So every every session in the gym, so I'll do like, for example, three exercises and the fourth one is a drill. Yeah. And then I go three exercises, another one is a drill. Yeah. So like just get your body moving and I think it's helped my flexibility, my range of motion. Yeah. So it's a positive thing, the drills and yeah, it's going well. Especially how you get better. Especially <laughs> I've done a couple, a couple, but we'll do some today. It's the more boring element, isn't it? I know, I know. We'll do some later. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so going back, Jake, over the last um, year, so, so when you've been out of training, what's been the... Obviously, you've seen a lot of races happen. Is there any races that have happened that you've really wanted to be a part of? It's been quite tough to miss out on. I think the hardest one to watch was the London Marathon this year because when I had my foot stress fracture... I started running in December and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it, but there was a little back of my mind saying you could potentially pace it. Yeah. And just like, for example, helping a meal or helping some Brits would have been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was hard to watch because that was the, like last year, that was the end. That's why I said no to say the Commonwealth Marathon Um I didn't even go to the Worlds for the marathon because I did run the time at the time, like back then. Yeah. But I said no to it because I wanted to focus on my speed work and it didn't show in events, it didn't show in races. And yeah. of course, I put my hand, like sometimes, like I didn't get as lucky in races. So like there were a couple of times where I finished a race and well, three of us were racing, or like finishing cross line. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actual speed i did inc- increase because when you look at my vo2 max it actually increased by four yeah and so that was a focus because i when i do a marathon i don't want to be just another person running i want to be there to compete yeah. so if someone makes a surge i want to go with a surge yeah so it was annoying because that's why london was a big one for this year mm-hmm. and to like see a meal run such a class time especially was very encouraging and great for british running but i was i was thinking back in my mind like that could have I could have been there helping him out or I could have tried to go with him mm-hmm. and get that time under my belt. Yeah. And I feel he's very, very... He's done so well because... Well, he's an exceptional athlete, but he's done... The fact he's now run the time for Worlds and the Olympics next year, mm-hmm. it just puts his name down. Oh, yeah. So it makes it harder for us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's probably the biggest race. And then, sort of, you're taking a bit of a more of a cautious approach back in the training, uh, in racing. What does the sort of next few months look like leading up to Christmas... And then what's your longer term view for next year? I think going forward is, is again, like I'm going to, everyone knows I'm like a longer distance athlete. So it's like when, 
to do a marathon in the future. I don't like, of course, there's races I really want to do. I really need to look into, but right now, I'm struggling with physio and everything, and my coach, and it's all about getting to December healthy, getting to the end of this year healthy, because I've been, God knows, the last two years, injury ill, injury ill, and I'm surprised I've even, I even managed to run some of the times I did last year. And it's been a year since your race, right? Exactly. Race big well, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. when was big half? It's like September, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, So it could genuinely be a whole year before one race. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't, I, I would love to do a race before big half, but... <laughs> I won't be doing big, big, big half. It's just, it's just too much on the body at the minute. Considering, like, by then, like, as I'm only on 38 miles, I know it's a couple of months away, but I still haven't run the distance. And mm-hmm. it could be three, four, another month until I've actually run a half marathon just in training. So to put, try and be competitive mm-hmm. would be a bit too hard. But it's just like, because it's world half as well this yes. year. So it's a lot to think about, but predominantly it's about... I would love the main thing. I'd love to go to the Olympics next year, and of course I'm not going to run the 10k time. It's just too cr- disgusting. I'd love to run the marathon time, but it's like, can my body hold? That's all I'm thinking about now. Is just yeah. getting to that long, start line. Just take a longer term. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, just going back to the food stuff, Jake. Being a bit more like specific on that. Um. So like on a session day or a hard day, what would sort of the average day of food? What like what what would your setup look like? So day? it's it's quite good. So I like wake up whatever and. I'm always craving this, but I love my Belfitas at the minute. I used to have grenade bars before, but um, speaking to my nutritionist, she said they were good at the start because they gave you that boost of energy, but they're more protein-based and they didn't have that many carbs. Yeah. So that's why she told me to go to Belfitas because they have more carb carbs in them, basically. Yeah. So I have that right before session. I've never known anyone buy as many Belfitas. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Belfita, uh, and then it's like go into the session because I've given myself energy, and then it's like straight after, like, get the protein shake in a bagel in me, straight away, get another, some more food in me during the day. And then, like, the main meal, uh, in the evening, it's focusing completely on getting, like, good carbs, good protein, like, focusing, like, I love red meats. I have another protein shake at night, and we're going through yoghurt like it's nothing now. So, so you're having two protein shakes a day? Two protein yeah. shakes a day. At the With minute. milk or water? With milk. Okay. Yeah. With milk. Um, because cause my bone health was so bad previously i need to ensure i have these and of course like because i'm up in the training i need to increase my food intake Mm -hmm. and that's something i have need to speak to my nutritionist on a personal level because because i've had have you noticed a difference since you started running more the last say three weeks? yeah i've like started to get hungry and stuff but like of course like red s doesn't go away like that it's like a general fix and because my nutritionist got me to this stage now we're going to have another chat in the next few, a week or something. And she's going to take me on to the next stage. So some people might still be like, oh, it's not that much, but it's more than I've ever had before. Yeah. And it's just those gradual builds. And because I haven't, of course, I'm doing a lot of cross training, but the impact, there's not much impact. My body's able yeah. to help this. And I've, um, and then each day I'm going to eat more and more. Yeah. Have you had some like results done in terms of like scans and blood results? Um, no scans. Um, blood results, the last one was about two months ago now and like testosterone has gone up and everything and I have one booked in for about hopefully in about a week or two weeks time mm-hmm. um just to see how much is improved by hopefully it's improved by quite a bit yeah yeah that'd be good to see um so like going forward um what would be the things that you're most aware of so you don't slip back into that condition uh, I think 
the big thing and that that's why I still need like some psychology help because like I said I'm still not like my food's a lot better than it used to be but I'm still not like there as in I know I need to increase it but I kind of I should be able to it by myself but because I want to speak to someone who's highly qualified to tell me what to do I'm waiting for that so it's almost like making sure making sure I have a breakfast I have the stuff straight after training, the stuff right after training, the stuff, dinner and stuff, just get onto that. And I think I just want to be happy. And it's like the last three months, I've never been this happy since my injury, actually. It's been the happiest I've been. I've been to like all these football games, like all these social events. And that's the big thing, big change for me, because I think if I was still running and still training at the level I was, I wouldn't have done anything like that. Yeah. And to prevent slipping back, I think I need to almost... I almost need to look back at myself and be like, look, you're at a much better place. Like, my injury was end of February and it will have been four months now. And genuinely, okay, take five weeks from that. It's probably been the longest training block I've ever done. Yes. Well, yeah. uh, a couple of years. Uh, yeah. after a few couple of years yeah. where I haven't been ill injured, mm-hmm. which is stupid because I, I had a stress yeah. fracture. Like, that should not make sense. Yeah. But I even my foot stress fracture, I had days where... I would message my coach and say, I, I need a day off. And he's like, oh, why? Yeah. I was like, because I don't have the energy, I don't yeah. have the fuel. And he's like, okay, take this day off, get food in, like, yeah. we need to focus on this. about illness, actually. I haven't seen you have a cold or any no. of that for, not since the really. Whereas, so. before, I would, it was crazy, like, after every single race. I remember after Highgate last year, um, four days ago on my birthday, I went to Berlin for a few days, I was ill. I was really ill when I came back, yeah. and that put me out for two weeks. I missed another race yeah. abroad, so. Is that something to do with cheesecake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's another thing. It's like because I used to, I wouldn't let almost let my body have the food. I would um, because I used to eat barely anything. Like I remember, I calculated one day I like had two thousand calories and I burned four or five thousand. Oh, that's ridiculous. Isn't it? And it got to a stage where I remember. I would always look forward to the weeks off because for some reason I let my body eat, mm. but I didn't eat good food. Well, I ate food, but an absolute ton of it in terms of, but I binged eat. So I remember in Berlin, I went and ha- went to a cheesecake factory and I promised to God I had probably eight or nine cheesecakes. And <laughs> the lady man working there looked at me and said, how are you eating so much? You're so skinny. And I was like, <laughs> because when, like I was, at the end of the day, you think about it, you basically restrict your intake like if you're supposed to have say i'm supposed to have twenty eight thousand calories a week because four thousand a day mm. i was probably having fourteen thousand okay. so when you look at it like every time you go away and stuff it's like it was a bit insane like that's why i was just so hungry but when i had my weeks off i would just eat so much sugar and eat such did you feel cream. like you were tired to just rest- like a certain number of calories a day or was it just like lack of education and it's sort of lack of education because, yeah. like, but the thing is, it's like I've said like, to people. Have you had any nutrition advice through your athletics up until like before you got into this? So like Gavin and Joe have helped me so much in some of my coaches in terms of like trying to tell me what to eat and everything, but I think I just needed someone almost to like like Renee, my nutritionist. Yeah. She didn't let me train for five weeks. Mm-hmm. She said to me, "If your testosterone is not high enough, I'm not letting you train." Yeah. So I kind of needed that. Whereas Gavin and Joe like. Because they didn't have any blood results to look, 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 to look at. They, um, 
it didn't really, really help or anything. So, like, with the nutritionist, it was bang, because she told me, okay, five weeks until the testosterone is up, and then you can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, like, in terms of um, looking at... Um, let's go back to Uganda, because you mentioned oh, yeah. that before. Um, so, you spent a month in Uganda, yeah? Yeah. And you said this is one of, like, the lowest points, because the training load was so high, um, and you were, like, climbing 10,000 feet a week and training with, with some insane guys. This was sort of one of the highlights as well. It was, so it was... Highlight the condition, yeah? Yeah, it was the highlight, but at the end, same thing. It was the worst thing I sh- could have probably done to my body because I was in... Like, the first two, three weeks was incredible. I was running... I did this session and it was absolutely disgusting. It was so, so good, even though Chep's guy pissed off from us. But it... That training cup, I put my hand up. I overtrained massively and it was completely on me. It was completely my fault. I just did everything at such a fast rate, even the easy runs, even though we were climbing high. And I just didn't let, allow my body to have the fuel. Yeah. I didn't give myself the right energy. I would have these little rules. I wouldn't eat until 12 p.m. At, in midday. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't eat anything until 8, 9. Mm-hmm. And just all built up. And I just, like I said, I lost so much weight in Uganda. Yeah. And I did this session. And I remember I... I couldn't even do half of it. I probably did a quarter of it. And I had to call my parents and say, I need to come home. Mm-hmm. And that was that was tough. Like driving back for six hours, knowing you're going back home. And instead of getting the positive signs from a training camp and knowing your body was mm-hmm. and dead. And you supposed to kick on to a half hour after that, right? Exactly. So that was the worst thing because the coaching, the support I had was insane. It was so good out there. But... I think I just kept it so quiet to myself. And actually, the weird thing was, like, some of the guys I was training with out there in Uganda, they actually said to me after three weeks, Jake, you've lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Like, these these Ugandans. What, and type, they, what type of things were you eating out there? <laughs> it, was t- it was, like, it was tough because cause where we were located, like, a lot of the time they didn't actually have meat in okay. because it's so far from anything. Like, it's so far from, like, the capital city and everything mm-hmm. and it's so hard to get to they just it was it, it was really tough and like I said it was just it was it was an amazing opportunity which I kind of wasted yeah. and I kind of want to go back and show prove to people that I can do it sensibly and do it properly yeah now I'm in a much better headspace yeah, yeah. have you got any training counts coming up yeah so Karen and I are going to Leipzig at the end of July for I think it's three weeks in um basically in August. And that'd be nice. It would just be like I don't know why we thought about Leipzig, but it's a bit bit of a different I think because we were thinking about fonts and cause my coach doesn't want me to go to altitude at the minute. Um because I think he's a bit afraid of what happened to me in Uganda and because it'll put more stress on the body mm. at altitude like everyone knows, yeah, like in terms of recovery. So. so it's like somewhere a bit warmer. Portugal and Spain were just crazy crazy and so we found somewhere in germany like you're racing the 10k in berlin yeah. at the end of july so um so i thought why not go to leipzig i've gotten into contact with quite a few people and there's quite a few guys who have run 212 213 for the marathon training out there so i think we could get quite a good training group out yeah. there you don't always have to go somewhere like the popular places no like, exactly basically if you've got somewhere where you can sort of relax and it's got a good training environment exactly you can be really anywhere in the world can't exactly you? you never know we might start a trend Brits <laughs> might come yeah. over training camps in Germany um, 
So yeah, um, also Jake, like looking at like back to the nutrition stuff, um, what foods, so people who are suffering with this as well who are listening, um, what foods w- could you recommend to help them maybe recover a little bit quicker? Um, I mean... What are, the main, what are the main themes in your diet that, that you have changed? I think the first, like, because I said, like, I love what Tom Evans said about he's basically training the gut. Yeah. So when he did, I forgot which race he came third. So he just won Western State. Yeah. But he came third in a race and said on an interview that he was taking 90 grams of carbs every hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but he said the two guys who beat him weren't any better than him, but they were taking 100, 105 grams of carbs mm. every hour. So they never went into like a red phase. They never went into a bad phase. They always had glycogen stores, whatever, um, in their system. So I basically just listened to him. And because my body was at such a low state, I just needed to eat. But like, not what I did with the cheesecake. Not like, and I had few fa- few days where I did binge eat mm. because I was so used to just eating like, just at 12 and then night not having snacks in between yeah. i just forced myself to eat like i did have phases where i felt horrendous afterwards because i just felt useless because i just ate 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 but not even the right stuff yeah but then i just got in touch with renee got in touch with my psychologist though during those five weeks and actually followed a proper plan and i absolutely loved it mm-hmm. because and i it's quite cool to see how often you eat so like i'm eating every two three hours mm-hmm. and that was the main thing about it and it was brilliant because you're never actually really hungry. And yeah. one thing I noticed is before... Do you think an athlete should get hungry? Sorry? Do you think an athlete should get hungry? If I think if an athlete gets hungry, it means you have to, exactly. almost have to eat. Yeah, exactly. Of course, like, just like, you know, once you finish the meal and sometimes... Like, this has happened to me so many times. Like, you know, you finish a meal and you're still hungry. But then five minutes later, you're not because it, like, mm. you know, whatever, however it works. It, like, yeah. goes down the body, whatever. Yeah. And... Like, you've been training and you found, because you're doing more miles, you need to eat more. And oh, you're getting more hungry during, yeah. during, during, <laughs> the, during the day. Yeah. And that's getting to a phase now. So that's why, because my training's going up, and I have, have actually experienced almost hunger pain. So, mm. yes, I need to speak to my nutritionist yeah. again about it's it. after a track session. Oh, it? mate, it's, oh, it's crazy. What is it about after a track <laughs> session, hunger pains? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think the big thing I really, really try to work on is actually red meat because I was iron my iron levels were really low in my blood mm. and yes you can take the tablets and everything but it's not the same as just eating red meat like getting red meat in yeah. so I tried to incorporate that and I got my dad into it like four times a week it was like we had it a lot mm. and then of course like during the day I had all the stuff I like and I absolutely adore protein shakes now like <laughs> milk I'm drinking so much milk and I used to restrict my... I never used to have milk. Never used to allow myself to have milk. And I think that was the big thing because milk was so vital because I was phosphate, calcium for building bones. Mm. And my bones were absolutely terrible. So yeah. because I've increased that, and I genuinely think that's probably the reason why I've been able to go 15 mm. weeks without an illness or injury. Yeah. Do you think there was... Just thinking back here, as well. Do you think there's a theme, like, when you started upping your training load, when you were starting to get more serious, maybe back at university... That you didn't quite know how to feel your body. Like, yeah. you only went to 100 miles a week. Maybe you were doing 60, 70 or whatever. And that's maybe get away with it. But when you started doing more, do you think that's maybe where a lot of people go wrong? I think that was probably the reason why I got this back stress fracture. Because 
I was eating, say, 2,000 calories, 4,000. 2,000 calories, normal. like, and so it's a normal person. hanging around with might be doing as well. So you've almost got to be a bit different. Exactly. And mm. I've never really realised until now, like, until speaking to you, like, as soon as you start having to eat more, um, as soon as the training load goes up, you are, you just have to keep eating more. Yeah, yeah. And there have been phases, I don't know if it's the same with you, but there have actually been days where I've had to force myself to eat, yeah. especially during the first few weeks because my body wasn't used to it, it wasn't hungry. Mm. And I had to literally force myself. But now a big thing is I don't really look forward to eating. Like, of course, it's nice going out and everything, but I used to, because I was basically in starvation mode, mm. all I could think about was my next meal. Yeah. Whereas now... I'm like, okay, like, for example, you know, when we have, like, lunch, at lunch, whatever, like, one of us is just like, oh, do you want lunch? We're like, yeah, go on. Whereas used to, because I was so hungry, yeah. as soon as that clock hit 12, I'd go get lunch. Was it almost like a reward for your training? Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. the stupidest thing I could have ever done. And p- if people are thinking like that, just, like, don't think like that because food isn't a reward. Mm. Like, you need it. You need it to live. You need it to recover. If you're injured, you, it, it's crazy how many more calories you should be eating then when you're not injured, it's nuts because the basically your bones and everything, they need the recovering. So they're going to use up all the energy yeah. to recover, to build that bone back. But wait, you're not really counting calories at the moment. You just like, <laughs> no, like, you don't want to. I mean, I haven't, I haven't counted a calorie since I had that foot stress fracture and mm. I haven't weighed myself yeah. since the foot stress fracture. Yeah. So, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I don't care what way I am. I'm running strongly now. And like I said, it's been... 13, 14 weeks where I haven't been injured. So yeah. I just see that as a win. So you'd almost say to people, like, don't set, like, limits or, like, targets for calories or weights and just keep away from that and just sort of go with what feels right. Of course, like, if you think it doesn't affect you and you don't fall into, like, a trap of, I need to hit these calories. Because yeah. even if you ate too much or too, too much, mm. it would affect you. Yeah. Like, for example, like, I still go out if we want go like you remember we went out for a pizza before we go to Pizza Express and they have the calories on. Yeah. I don't want to give it. I don't want to yeah. know how many calories I'm eating. I've had this chat with my parents where they're the same. They go out and if they see the calorie on it, they it could actually change their mind to picking a small amount. Yeah. Because they might think about oh maybe because I haven't done that much today I want a small amount, mm-hmm. and it's not healthy. And of course I understand why they do it because there is a rise in obesity in this country, but. Yeah. I, I, every time I go to a restaurant, I've asked for the non-calorie thing, and I swear it's a rule, but for some reason, it wasn't at that yeah, place. Yeah, it wasn't, was it? No. So. It's just, yeah, trying to have a healthy relationship, isn't it? Exactly, but, and another thing, like, for endurance-based athletes, like, when you're young, especially younger athletes, I don't think they should be wearing at all. Yeah. They should not be caring about their weight. Like, p- athletes should not be caring about their weight. Mm. Like, at the end of the day, oh, I should bring them up, but Nick Bester said, actually, put someone into Instagram, I kind of really liked the other day. Um, it was about his weight and he actually, he doesn't weigh himself a lot, but he gets like this, like he basically gets a DEXA scan before the marathon. Right. And he wrote down exactly how much weight, how heavy he was before each marathon. And I think every time he's run quicker has been when he's been heavier. Okay. And he even said, he ran a 5 PB and he said, every time I'm heavier, I don't get injured. I run quicker. Yeah. And I think that's phenomenal because... There needs to be more awareness and him being a big star on like Instagram and everything and a coach. It's good that he's pointing out there like 
It's a you don't you should he basically said don't be skinny like eat yeah. get the power There's power so to weight factors, ratio. So factors, isn't there, like, oh, hundred yeah. percent. And that's what I found as well. Like going on the lips, going on the crossfit so bike. Stats are up. My yeah. oh my stats are crazily up, and that's purely because I've now got my strength into me. So, so everything's on the right track. Yeah. So what's the difference in those sort of like in terms of power that <laughs> compared to say half a year ago? Or? Like when I was had my foot stretch fracture, it was like for example on this salt bike, people can't picture how I do it but I do like 100 dramatic. minutes on it on this old bike and most people do 30 second sprints but I did like this session last night and not a session it was just an aerobic effort my heart is 150 and I hit 313 watts for 46 minutes it wasn't even a session because I did a progression progressive effort in the morning on the run yeah that's quite high that's quite yeah high and when I had my foot stress fracture some of my sessions I didn't even hit 300 yeah, yeah. and that was session like yeah. proper hard yeah. efforts so and that's helping me, like, now... Do you feel there's a big crossover between that and running as well? Yes, yeah. to a degree, in terms of power, but because I've done so much cross... Like, cross-training gets your base fitness up massively. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why, like, you know, yesterday when I was running, my heart rate's getting lower and lower yeah. because I have their aerobic benefit. Yeah. But running, you... They say, like, aqua jogging and everything helps running, and it does, to a degree, but it doesn't... You can't run fast yeah. off it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't... If you're not running every day or you're not following a good structure plan, like, because I'm only on 30 miles a week, I'm still, it hasn't really, still hasn't clicked. Yeah. And I need to be hitting, like, say, I think it'll take me eight weeks of, say, normal, general range, 70, 80 miles until it clicks. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, yeah. you can't just jump into the race straight yeah, away. Yeah, of course. If we talk about training loads, um, and you, you're quite big on using the heart rate monitor. Do you think that's quite useful in terms of just keeping your training mode right each week? Oh, it's brilliant. Fitness it's and, brilliant, yeah. but now it's getting a bit annoying because cause I'm getting fitter. Addictive, Sorry, oh, 100% yeah. addictive. Like, if, you, if it's a bit higher for a given session, would it demotivate you? No, I'd like it more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, but um, it doesn't demotivate me. For sessions, I never look at the heart rate because I haven't really done an easy, like many easy runs. I yeah. can't really compare. Yeah. Whereas some when I used to, well, when I was running more, I used to like, if my heart rate was ever slightly high on an easy run, yeah. I would lose my head, okay. which wasn't sensible. Yeah. And I think right now I know I need to back off some sessions, so on the cross train and everything, but because I'm getting, it gets quite tedious and because I'm still not running as much, I think I yeah. can sort of get away with it, which is not the best mental attitude. Yeah. But now because the running is increasing, I am starting to like hold back on the cross training because... Ultimately, I want to run every day. Like, that's my first thing. It shows the impact of running as well. Like, like six miles worth of hard running is a lot more than a lot of other activities. Oh, 100%. It shows the impact, doesn't it? That's why I felt like, for example, yesterday you did... I did a 40-minute progression. And 40 minutes of progression, like, back in the day, that shouldn't really, really hurt. Like, that was a normal run. But, of course, we were running quicker. But I was dead after. Like, in the evening, I was absolutely knackered because... It's just a whole different load. Like yeah. it, you're you're smashing the floor. You're putting your feet on the floor. You don't have any respite, mm-hmm. and it, it can be tough. Yeah, so it's maybe a useful thing to recommend to other people, like to put cross training in, to just balance the training load out a bit. Yeah, so, I think yeah. even if you, even if you're not injured, um, it might be a good thing to do. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I think, for example, Avish McColgan, she she posted that she only runs once a day, and cross training is the mm-hmm. second one, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be the reason why if I don't get injured or anything, 
going forward, that could be the thing. And I've said to my coach, all I want to, all we want to do is be able to run every day. And I don't care if there's a cross train in the evening or a cross train in the morning. If I'm able to run that day, I'm happy. Mm. And it's it's horrible at the minute, like running again tomorrow, running again Sunday. But on the days where I have to do a double cross train, they're disgusting. <laughs> they're horrible because you're just going back into a gym, staring at a wall. It's nice playing music, but you're just like, you're not moving. That's a nice job. Huh? That's nice. So <laughs> it's annoying, but luckily the weather's not too nice. So it's I'm getting away with it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so in terms of this podcast, Rick, you want to keep growing it and all that, but um, for you, has it helped you in your journey coming back psychologically as well? Just oh, listening to people and sharing your story, is that sort of been like really good for your mental health as well? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. It's probably helped me the most like, out of everything because like you've seen some of the stuff up on Instagram about like people making comments and every time someone says something, I take into heart and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's what they've gone through. Mm. How have they come back out of this? And it, it it's probably helped me the most because I haven't I'm still trying to sort out like the psychology of course I have a psychologist but she's trying to put me into like a touch with a really good sports psychologist so because of Boopa trying to sort that out but listening to the people like at first I always think you know when you're injured you always think it's just you hmm. but there's millions of people there yeah. who are suffering the same thing as me and listening to like we're not all alone and we're helping each other out we're keeping in touch it's just been incredible and the support this podcast has got and i'm happy to keep going with it and i love more people on it if they want to be and i just want to get out there because there are like for example to english schools this weekend like how many how many of these people are going to keep running when they're 20 true, like true. look at the percentage it could be five percent it could be less mm. like of course they might go into other sports but a lot a lot of it can be due to injury there are so many athletes i've spoken about who have suffered with the red s who have actually stopped competing to a high level because their body can just couldn't take it. Yeah. And that might be because they didn't give their body enough recovery time. They just felt demotivated. So it's something I really need to... I want to change. I want to help the people going forward. So, yeah, that's the aim of this podcast. And, yeah. Awesome. You're doing a great job, mate. Keep thank you, up. thank you. So we're all good there. I just wanted... To, it's been 42 minutes of just basically explaining what happens and going from Uganda... How it started, like another thing I'll add is when I was really young, I actually re- suffered with it when I was younger at school. So I saw this when I was like 15, 16. I think I just saw like a photo of like an African running quick and because I wanted to be like them, I just saw their stature and they were skinny. And I think I basically stopped eating properly. I wouldn't eat during the day. That's when I wouldn't eat during the day. And I'd see cams. I didn't get on with cams. I know a lot of people haven't. And... I went through that because I wasn't, I didn't like the school I went to and I think all of it just played up. But then because I went to a good college and everything, I almost forget about it because I got better. And, but yeah, I think it started when I was quite young. Um, I think it's a lot of it's social media because you just see these mm. photos of young, like skinny Africans running fast. You want to be like them. But nowadays it's quite nice because you're actually seeing like, for example, Kipson, the, the London Marathon winner, mm. he's big, like he's strong, Britson. He ain't skinny. He's yeah, a big he's unit. Like, they're strong, powerful athletes. And that's something... Because I, I don't want people to see runners as, like, you have to be skinny. I want them to see whatever size you are. You can run fast. You put in the training, you're going to run quick. You put in the effort. And, yeah, so then it just spiralled to Uganda. So that's my sort of story. I hope you enjoy it. And keep listening along. <laughs>